Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And, of course, these election results are certainly all of our business. And uh, we'll, we'll be unboxing these for quite some time, these results. Uh, and I got a feeling they will become a case study in colleges and universities and political science classes uh, because it's really fascinating. Um, one of my favorite people to talk to about all things culture, uh, all things media, and all things uh, really around politics more and more is Warren D. Robinson. He is a filmmaker. Uh, he is a producer. Uh, he's been involved in some of the uh, really some of the most interesting projects out there on uh, several different uh, platforms, including Netflix. And Warren, always loving having you on the program. Before we get into our topic, let me mention your website, warrendrobinson.com. Uh, but uh, also go ahead and talk a little bit about what you've got going on project-wise. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin. I, I really appreciate it and always love the opportunity to be here on the, the Price of Business. As Kevin said, you can go to my website, warrendrobinson.com, and see all the latest things that uh, we have going on. We have a lot of shows out and about um, on syndication and on Netflix and everywhere. So go there, check them out, keep watching. Uh, <laughs> and as always, thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about this election. Uh, this has been fascinating. I've had several different conversations with different people, a lot of different takes. Um, but, you know, what, how did the red, red wave become a red ripple? That, that is what people are, are wondering. And, and uh, you know, and then the results of how weak the uh, election terms were for Republicans, now Republicans very pragmatically are turning anti-Trump. It's not that he was unethical. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that he was the d divider in chief. It wasn't that he was waging a war on the most important values of America, like e pluribus unum, which means among many, one. Uh, it, it, had to re it had to come uh, down to being an existential crisis for Republicans for them to decide that, oh, maybe Trump isn't good for us. But that's clearly happening. Um, but I, I want you to go ahead and set, set the stage on your thoughts on how this happened. How did it go from a wave to a ripple? Yeah, you know, this is, um, in many ways, Kevin, this is a follow-up conversation for us because we had talked prior to the election. And one of the things that we noted at the time was that um, I said that if this election turned out well, then, you know, it would kind of cement Donald Trump in the Republican Party. But if he lost, <laughs> I said that it would do real damage to him as a frontrunner. And um, as we know, the Republicans lost and they lost badly. And so you're right now, they are completely turning on Donald Trump and um, trying to con do their best. It's, it's not working, obviously, because he's running again. Um, to convince him not to run. But what ended up happening was uh, we did not have a red wave. We didn't have a red wave at all. And the media got this one really wrong. They got it terribly wrong, Kevin. They predicted that the House of Representatives was going to turn Republican. By some estimates, we're saying 40 seats. Um, yeah. That didn't happen. <laughs> they barely yeah, not even got a victory. No, this is potentially the smallest victory ever during a midterm election for the opposing party. So that is interesting. Now, I never estimated it was going to be 30 or 40. I thought that was overly optimistic. Even when we were on your show last week, 
I said that I thought they were going to get under 10, so I kind of seem to be right. But um, but I was wrong about the I said I, 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 I said five. You were closer than I. I. I thought all the hyperbole that the Republican hyperbole was off the chart, and I thought the Republicans would be lucky to break even in the Senate, which I was pretty close on that. You were. I was wrong. I thought Dr. Oz was going to finally beat Fetterman, depend, considering how bad he did, but he didn't. Um, so I was wrong on the Senate. But, you know, it's interesting because the media got this one so wrong, Kevin. They really do rely a lot on polls, right? They are heavily, heavily on the polls. Whenever you watch, they're always talking about the polls say this and the polls say that. Well, we know that the polling industry has a lot of problems. It has a lot of problems. It has a lot of outdated methodology. Um, a lot of them still rely on phone calls and telephone polls. They don't really – they also count what are called likely voters, and so they're not prepared when you have non-traditional voters. Like in this election, you had a huge wave of Gen Z voters, and the Gen Z voters came and voted on college campuses, and they voted overwhelmingly Democratic. We didn't prepare for yeah. that, and so the polls were completely wrong, and, and so the media got it wrong because they were relying on polls, which used – outdated methodology and you even had famous posters uh, frank luntz was one of the most famous most prominent posters in the country he just admitted he said you know what i got it wrong we got it terribly yeah. wrong and we deserve to be roasted for it so that is why uh the media got this one wrong that's why they predicted the red wave that didn't happen um relying on an outdated industry to kind of give them their their advice yeah. So this has been a good summation as to why, uh, you know, uh, why the way didn't happen in terms of the reading of it. But let's get into the conversation of, uh, about why it actually did not happen, what substantively happened. Because frankly, you know, if you just look at decades and decades of electoral history, this should have been a no-brainer red wave. Just, just looking at electoral history. Um, I yeah. mean, uh, this is a horrible economic situation. In spite of the job numbers, there's nothing but anxiety, fear. Inflation is outrageous right now, like we hadn't seen since the early 80s. Um, you know, it, 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 it's almost like the Republican Party could have done nothing and, and uh, it, it should have been a better results than what they ended up having, but they did do something. And in fact, it wasn't the party, but Donald Trump handpicking terrible candidates. Like, hmm, what are the candidates that could give the Democrats the best chance of uh, <laughs> keeping the Congress? Hmm, you know, inserting himself in the election. The most wonderful thing for the, for the you know, loyal opposition, they love midterm elections. Because that's their opportunity for the American people to get back at that, at that governing majority. And, and there's always a referendum of the sitting president. And somehow Trump dethroned that focus from Biden to him, and look at the results. Well, yeah, I think that's the, the one of the biggest factors was the Donald Trump factor. And as we said, it was either going to be a referendum on Joe Biden or Donald Trump, and people apparently don't like Donald Trump very much, and, and they came out to vote. And let's not forget now that we had the Democratic National Party actually put money into races to make sure that the most far-right candidates were chosen in the primary to represent, uh, so, th so they could represent the party in the general election. And that allowed people to say, wait a minute, as much as we don't like inflation, as much as crime is rising, we can't go that far. 
they put a lot right. of extremists. A lot of extremists won these primaries, and so that kind of forced people to say, "No, we're we're going to stick with what we have because that is better than these Donald Trumps." Uh, I hope that this is an elect uh, a, a warning to Republicans. The twenty twenty election is over. Right, that was a loser for every candidate that promoted it, and you had so many candidates promoting that. And voters have they rejected that. They said we're done with that. We don't want that. We don't want these candidates. Even um. Kerry Lake in, in Arizona, who was a dynamic candidate. The, the, the Democrat she was running against was, was terrible. Right? She should have won that. Yeah, unbelievable. She was such an election denier. And the people said, yeah. we don't want that anymore. So this should be their wake-up call to say, hey, guys, you got to put Donald Trump in the rearview mirror. That's easier said than done, especially now with him running for president. But this was really a referendum against Trump, and he lost, and he lost badly. Oh, he lost so badly. I think, you know, honestly, uh, and I'm so grateful, honestly, um, uh, you know, and I like the divided government, to be perfectly honest with you. It's the only way you can enhance uh, the possibility of a little sanity, right? We're either going to get nothing done, which is better than extreme policies, or we're going to get stuff done that everyone can agree on, like the CHIPS Act, which I don't know, there's so few people who oppose bringing back CHIPS that, you know, that have both national security and economic implications back to the U.S. I don't know anyone who's in the U.S. Maybe the Chinese are opposed to it. <laughs> anyone in the U.S. who thought the CHIPS Act was a bad idea. I, think there's tons, I don't think you would get through this House of Representatives. Yeah, I don't yeah. think the CHIPS yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think, you know, the, the, the advantage of this situation is that it will force the, a little kumbaya because House, or nothing gets not done, and Republicans are notorious for being a do-nothing party. That there's always plenty of things that both can agree on. Again, tips that I think being a good example. And so, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, again, they, the, the Republicans aren't doing it because it's right. They're doing it because it's an existential crisis for them. And I think that we're, I think within five years, you're going to have a whole kind, a whole new kind of election denier, Warren. You're going to have people who denied that they ever denied the election results. (laughs) Well, I will say about five years. What made me feel better, though, Kevin, was that as much as these candidates were election deniers and 2020 was stolen, almost all of them conceded their own race. Even Mastriano, who was there on January the 6th in Pennsylvania, did not challenge his election. So that makes me at least hopeful that they realize, okay, this isn't going to work. So I believe everybody except Kerry like, has, has conceded their own race. So that, that gives me hope. But I will say Republicans are in a crisis. They're in a rock and a hard place, Kevin, because with this very slim majority, very tiny majority, this is going to give a lot of power to the very most conservative Freedom Caucus members, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Matt Gates, the, uh, the, the, the racist one from Arizona, the Paul Gosers, allegedly. Um, yeah. These guys are going to hold a lot of sway, and I don't think they're going to allow anything to pass. And yeah, that I think you're right. That's going to be a problem for Republicans because they, the Republican Party now sees, okay, we have to raise a bigger tent if we're going to win. We have to do something. We have to do something to get more people in the middle. I don't know how you're going to do that when you're beholden to the most conservative wing of your party to get anything passed. So I think Republicans are in a very tough position right now. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I, I'm no fan of Nancy Pelosi, never been a fan of Nancy Pelosi. Uh, but I remember a, a time when she was considered hardcore radical. <laughs> now, yeah. in her cringes, she's kind of a moderate, you know. Uh, she, she cringes when people question her progressiveness. But, you know, she, she did a brilliant job of managing the largest, largest single um, block in the entire House of Representatives, which is the Progressive Caucus. It's almost half of the entire Democratic uh, Caucus. And those, they're just as hardcore, just as difficult to deal with, as, uh, and from what I can see, as the, the you know, Freedom Caucus will be, or are rather, for Republicans. I hate to say it, when it comes to leadership skills, I don't, I don't, I think McCarthy's way over his head in this situation. I don't see him getting that group to move in a way that's in the larger party's best interest. It really will be like, uh, uh, every Republican is going to be like a Joe Manchin in the Senate. You know, every Republican in the House is going to be like a Joe Manchin in the Senate. How do you get anything done in an environment like that? Well, you know, you, to Pelosi's credit, you are right. She managed to manage her caucus very well. And the progressives were not always happy with everything Nancy Pelosi did, but for the most part, they voted in lockstep. She was able to get them on board when it came to these big bills that they wanted to pass because she had a relatively slim majority herself. Um, this wasn't a Very, huge majority. Yeah. She couldn't lose a lot of votes, and she managed to pull them along. I am not sure that McCarthy is going to be able to do the same thing. I, I just does any can you pull Marjorie Taylor Greene along? Can you pull uh, Lauren Bobart if she actually squeaks it out along? And maybe they should because if you look at the the Colorado race with uh, Lauren Bobart, for instance. She barely won that race in a very Republican district. That's a district that's Republican by like eight points, and she's going to win by like 1,200 votes. That's a warning sign. So you should be able yeah. to pull them along. But I don't think McCarthy is going to be able to do that. I think these people like attention, and they would rather be obstructionists and gain the attention from that than actually get anything substantively done. And then the other thing, too, I think Republicans are going to do, I think they're going to hold a bunch of committees and investigate a lot of stuff. The mainstream media is not going to cover it, but that is going to further distract from getting bills done for the American people. And that is not the way to get reelected. That's not the way you boost your party in 2024 by doing nothing. The best way to do it is to get out there, roll your hands up and say, okay, here's what we want, and make some compromises and get bills done. So the Republicans are in a very tough position. And then also, let's not forget, they, they got Donald Trump out there. And he's going to be running for president, saying all kinds of crazy things. And, and that's going to hurt the party, too. And, and, you know, so Republicans are in a very tough position here going into 2024. They're in a very tough position. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I could not agree with you more across the board. Uh, I thought we might be disagreeing a little bit on this segment, but we're pretty much in step. It's funny, again, you know, it's uh, what is reasonable. What's real? I think both of us work on uh, that premise. Well, for, you know, my prediction is like a prediction they do on college football, uh, you know, uh, rankings in August, right? <laughs> this is what I see <laughs> happening, right? But I honestly think Trump will not stop, stop running. I don't think he will get the nomination. That's utterly insane to think that he might. But, you know, I've seen some insane stuff, so I'm not saying it can't. But I don't think he gets the nomination. Yeah. But I think he keeps running. 
I think he keeps oh, running. I think he. I think he does what what Teddy Roosevelt did and Bull Bull Moose Party. I would call Trump's party Bull something else, but this is radio. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but he divides the party. They lose, and whatever. And, and this is 2024. Whatever warm and fuzzies that were left for Trump will disappear because Trump can't seem to even do things in his own best interest. His choices and, and this campaign goes up in flames for him. And when he announced, he sounded like someone running away from jail rather than someone running for president, you know, as he talked about how he's being mistreated. Oh, no, poor Donald. Um, I'm telling you, uh, I, don't, I don't see him being reasonable at all because he hasn't been reasonable up to now. He's becoming less reasonable as things are becoming out of his control. No one's listening anymore. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, that's my very, very early prediction. I, I think the party uh, is almost there to get rid of him, but, but there's plenty there that, that cling to that, whatever that is. Um, but but uh, that's my early prediction. What do you, what do you think? I'm going put to you, put you on the spot knowing that neither of our predictions matter. <laughs> Here is... <laughs> Well, here's maybe our first disagreement, because I do think Trump is going to get the, the nomination, uh, only because I think there will be other candidates. Mike Pence is going to jump in. Some others may jump in. I think they're going to split that vote. The mainstream, the, the, the leaders of the party don't want Donald Trump, but he's able to attract folks in the base that never vote. He's able to get folks in rural parts of the country to come out that never came out for another president that will come out for Trump. And so if you have multiple candidates on that uh, stage, I think a good percentage of the party is going to coalesce around Trump, and that's how he's going to win the nomination. So I do wow. think he will take the nomination if he's not if he's not indicted. I, I think his bigger concern is yeah. I think he's going to get indicted uh, yeah. before that happens. I really do. And that throws a whole curveball into it. But I do think he's going to win um, the nomination. But I will say really quick, that announcement was terrible, absolutely oh. terrible. Why bother? Is Send out an email. Better. He is much better as a speaker when he speaks extemporaneously. When you try to give him a speech, he can't read very well, which is right. crazy considering he went to an Ivy League school and he's been on TV all these years. But he's not a good reader. He can't read. And so he was trying to read this speech, and it was very robotic, and it was terrible. The background was terrible. When he announced in 2015, I will never forget, it was so staged, like coming on a TV show. And as a producer, I can appreciate that, right? He had the elevator, and he's coming down top towers, and yet all the people cheering. And I remember watching that announcement with my great-grandmother. She was 105 at the time. And she laughed so hard and said, oh, my gosh, nobody's going to vote for him. Uh, and uh, she passed just a little bit before the election, so she didn't get to uh, realize that he won. I, I think she would have been very disappointed. But it was so staged, and it was so choreographed, and it was so beautiful for television. This, what he did the other yeah. night in front of the flags with barely anybody out there, it's a horrible, horrible production. Yes. And it just shows gotta, his team is diminished, he's diminished. Yeah, absolutely. i got to wrap it up. We went way over. We usually do because it's so much fun. But, yeah, he, he announced like a man who had to run, not a man who wanted to run. And that, that showed up. You know, and and that showed up clearly. He feels like he has to run. I think largely for pride and also to cover himself for uh, you know, look, he, he wants to look like a victim when those indictments start coming down. Look what they're doing to me because I'm so awesome and so powerful. 
Uh, I think that's all part of a, uh, knowing what the, what the cards read. Uh, it is so funny that the guy who, who promised to drain the swamp, that was his number one theme in 2016, has proven to be the, the swamp master. That, that to me is fascinating. <laughs> all right. Always enjoy talking to uh, Warren D. Robinson. Um, and, and by the way, I, I have lots of good to say about Trump, like helping uh, lead the effort to get uh, a drug to fight COVID, which is the best, the best in the world in making an environment to make it happen. But some of the stuff he's done is just so outrageous that, well, you, know, you heard a bunch of it today. So Warren D. Robinson, we went over because we, we like the sound of our voices. But it was also a lot of fun. And uh, WarrenDRobinson.com, one of my personal favors, always love having you on. I'm Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more.